Welcome to the Austin Gardener with Cheryl McLaughlin on News Radio KLBJ. Call Cheryl now with your questions about gardening or landscaping at 512 836 0590, pound 590 on your wireless, or toll free 1 877 590 KLBJ. Hello, hello, hello. Thanks for tuning in today to the Austin Gardener. Again, I'm Cheryl McLaughlin. And if you would like to join the show, 512-836-0590 is the call or text number. And we have a caller who's been waiting since Jeff's show, so I'm going to go straight to the phone lines. Hey, Matt, thanks for your patience. Matt, can you pop Matt up? Matt? Not there? Huh. Okay, well, I'm going to put him on hold. Um, anyway, as I said, if you would like to join the show, we have that 512-836-0590 number. And we also have a toll-free line if you need that, and that's 877-590-5525. So, yes, it is cold out there. Um, but I just was looking at the weather. I think it's going to be like 77 on Tuesday and I've always said this, and, you know, it's going to get to be 80 in February, and here we are getting towards the end of it. But you never know. Um, you just don't know uh, what the weather's going to do around here. So always be prepared because I have experienced a sleet storm on April Fool's Day one time in the 80s. Let's, okay, here's Matt again. Hey, Matt, sorry about that. Okay, good morning. Hi. Uh, do you think I can produce tomatoes? A couple of tomato plants will produce tomatoes if I grow them indoors under lights. Yeah, why not? That's the thing they need. They need the light, right? So, yeah. I mean, a lot of people start their tomatoes this time of year indoors, yeah. you know, and uh, they'll germinate when the temperatures are between 65 and 85 takes them a couple of weeks to germinate i don't know if you've already got them germinated but um i would i uh, yes i would put some transplants in is what i do get yeah. a head start i've had such a frustrating experience some years i get good tomatoes outdoors but my garden is not convenient and keep it watered and the bugs off and everything else i thought well if i had two tomato plants and i gave them good uh artificial light i don't know why they wouldn't produce maybe you can stick them in a five gallon bucket or smaller each one they well, should do it should they yeah the only thing i would think of is what about um pollination right you may have to self-pollinate oh yeah. because you know that's what we count on our you know critters to do for us so i, I would think I might have to set them outdoors for a while then. Yeah, you sure. might want to do that while they're blooming, especially if you can get them out yeah, there. Yeah, um, uh, and you I, have, could, I could do that and then bring them in. Yeah, yeah. once okay. they start setting fruit, yeah, I think you'd be good. That's good. Okay, I'm going to give it a try. Yeah, let us know how it works out. I'd be interested. Okay, thank you. Bye. All right, thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, what are your questions today? What's on your mind? I see something I want to talk about. Um because I, I like to look through the text that Jeff got before I get here and see if there's anything that I'm interested in um, commenting on. And one of them is somebody wrote in about his mountain laurel not blooming. And uh, Jeff said, uh, you know, check for bugs, because as we all know, the caterpillars can get on those mountain laurels and eat the buds. 
um, which is why we use, you know, Bacillus thuringiensis on that or BT, first sign of a worm. Um, but if you and he said he didn't have any bugs, so I just want to remind people that you cannot trim mount laurels. They set their blooms. You can't trim them this time of year. The only time you want to trim a mount laurel is after it's finished blooming, because after that it's just going to put seed on. And if you don't care about having all that seed, um, and you need to trim it back or or what have you, shape it up, you do it after it blooms. Because right now the bloom spikes have been on there since last year, and this is why a lot of uh, low knowledge uh, maintenance companies uh, will go out there and they'll you know, trim everything into shapes and, you know, what have you, balls and cones and squares and uh, what they're doing if, when they do the mountain laurel trimming is they're cutting off all the blooms. So I, ju- I don't know if that man had trimmed his mountain laurel, but that is a problem. Um, he said it didn't get full sun, but it got morning sun. Well, mountain laurels are, are quite able to bloom in light shade. Um, So I think possibly uh, the other thing to think about is you don't want to overwater mountain laurels. They're very drought resistant. And any plant that you overwater uh, is going to, if it doesn't kill it, it's going to make it have lush foliage. But no real interest in blooming that much, right? So that could be it. Uh, Okay, here's a text for dumb me. Um, tomatoes don't need pollinators. That's an interesting comment. Um, you can pollinate flowers with a little paintbrush, too. So which is it? They don't need pollinators, or you can pollinate them with a little plant. Uh, let's see. Now here's a comment that says, uh, as far as pollinating tomatoes indoors, all he has to do every week or two, take a stick and tap the bushes several times. This works and does the same thing as the bumblebee. The bumblebee gets on the tomato blossom and vibrates in order to shake the pollen out of the blooms. Okay. All right. I need a, I need a definite answer to this then um, because I'm, I'm now... Confused. I always thought you had to pollinate, that tomatoes needed to be pollinated. Uh, but now we have somebody saying they don't need pollinators. So somebody give me the definite answer on this. Um, because that would surprise me if they didn't need pollinators. So, I mean, a lot of things are self-pollinating. A lot of plants are self-pollinating. So that could be it. Okay. Um, the other thing I wanted to comment on is... Uh, the lady that had all the gnats in the soil. Um, and diatomaceous earth are, uh, is definitely a great uh, solution. However, you can, since these plants are still outside in your garage, you can get a drench of citrus oil, and that will kill the gnats. Now, of course, there's eggs in there, so you have to do this more than once. But I don't know if this product is still out there, but there's a, a Antifuego. It was made by Gardenville. And they don't pay me to say this, but it is a really good product. And it will not only help the soil, it's got a lot of good stuff in it, but it was really made to 
drench fire ant mounds with. And I have successfully used it in the past to drench pots that were full of fire ants, right? Plants when I was in the landscaping business. So um, I, I would highly recommend that as a quick solution. Get a good drench. If you can find Antifuego, buy that. Otherwise, you can buy citrus oil and mix up a light solution yourself. And that is a very, very good, uh, quick solution. Okay, here's a couple of comments. Let's see here. Tomatoes need pollination. It's just that they are wind-pollinated. Okay, got it. And then here's another one that says, um, same thing. Tomatoes are generally wind-pollinated outdoors. I think they do need pollinated, but wind can do it. Okay, I'm going to go with that. They do need um, pollination, but it's typical that wind does it for them. Okay, well, it's time for that first break. If you want to get online, 512-836-0590, call or text, and we'll be back right after this. Welcome to the Austin Gardener with Cheryl McLaughlin on News Radio KLBJ, 590 AM and 99.7 FM. Okay, we are back, and we have a real expert on the line, so he's going to give us the, the final answer on this. Hey, Forrest, thanks for calling. Yeah, Cheryl, that's fine. Um, I um, was going to say that. Uh, Tomatoes out in the field are wind-pollinated, but what people can do if they only have a few tomato plants is simply to go thump the flowers a couple of times a week. Okay, and that way the pollen will... That that releases the pollen that drops down inside the uh, flower and pollinates the plant. Oh, perfect. The uh, professionals in greenhouses have raised the tomatoes on long... Uh, strings, uh, so they get sunlight, mm-hmm. and uh, they put they t- they take vibrators and actually vibrate the whole plant, and it uh, helps to uh, get the pollen down from the flower, internal for the flower, and um, pollinate itself. That is excellent information. I knew you'd have the the ex- actual truth. <laughs> so well, uh, <laughs> well, thank you. For, talk to you later. Okay, thanks for us. Bye bye. Bye. Okay, let's uh, let's see here. Okay, if you guys want to join in, 512-836-0590. I have a, several texts here. One, just a sweet one from Papa Jobby. All of us beneficial critters are enjoying your program. <laughs> Thank you. He's so sweet. He always sends me a cute meme. Uh, and then here we have some other comments. My understanding is tomatoes are wind-pollinated, so tapping the plant to vibrate it. Um, well, shaking the plant periodically is supposed to transfer the pollen. Yes. Uh, let's see. I asked Jeff yesterday. Oh, that doesn't look too good, huh? Um, but want your opinion. What's wrong with my lemon tree? It's been in the ground for over 10 years. I wrap it with Christmas lights and cover with frost cloth. Only when we have low temperatures. I've been spraying every week for three weeks. I was treating for leaf curl with neem oil. Thanks from Georgetown. Uh, to me, it looks almost like a mold. I think probably 
uh, spraying it with the neem oil. I'm not going to say it was a, it was a bad idea. I'm sure it was a good idea, but I might go in with some some uh, liquid seaweed at this point because it almost looks like you're starting to get a little bit of, of mold on those leaves. And so I would back off from the, the oil spraying. I mean, that's the best advice that I have for you right now. Because um, it looks like, and it could just be a little bit of cold damage too. I hadn't thought of that till just now. But even if you wrap it, it got darn cold. And if it's in the ground, it could just be a little bit of cold damage. Here's how you'll know. Uh, it'll be pushing out new leaves here before terribly long and dropping these old leaves. So you should be getting some fresh new leaves, and hopefully they will not have that on there. Um, and I think that's how you'll know for sure. Okay, here's another tomato thing. Tomatoes are self-pollinating, meaning they have flowers that contain both the male and female parts. So more than one plant is not needed for reproduction. The pollen falls within the flower to pollinate itself. That doesn't mean insects and wind aren't important, though. They can help pollinate self-pollinating plants. For example, when bees light on the yellow flowers, the buzzing of their wings helps shake the pollen off into the flower. Uh, from Bonnie Plants website. Good idea. Yeah, that's good information. All right, here. Uh, let's see here. Let me get to this one. Um, hi, can you tell me, or maybe others will comment, if we can plant store-bought potatoes that are sprouting? I have heard they won't produce, but curious if other listeners have had success. Thank you. Okay, that's a question. I'm putting it out there. I don't see why they wouldn't, um, why they wouldn't sprout, uh, because I've I've heard Jeff and John in years past talk about getting tomatoes, but getting organic. I mean potatoes, getting organic ones uh, that will sprout. So let's answer this uh, listener here: store-bought potatoes that are sprouting. Okay. Uh, let's see, here's another text. Good morning. Does it do any good to add sulfur in the soil around the seed potatoes as you planted them? I did dust them, and they're drying, three varieties. But I wonder if there's any benefit to adding sulfur in that soil. I'm adding cotton compost in the first layer as I plant them, and then plan to heal up with very um, something soil with more compost. I'd love to hear if that's not the right approach. Also, I'm doing all this with my three-and-a-half-year-old grandson, so I know it will be fun, but I hope it's productive and I don't have to fool him by putting potatoes for the grocery store. <laughs> Sorry, in the mounds. Sorry, I've been sick all week. It's been I'm getting better. Um, I don't think it would hurt a single thing to put a little sulfur in the soil, but I don't think it's necessary if you already uh, did your sulfur, you know, uh, rubbing the cut parts. Uh, let's see here. Um, good morning. We have four trellises that have some type of jasmine, maybe star. They tend to freeze back to the ground. And we would like to have something native that might do better through the winters. 
My wife is thinking about honeysuckle, but would appreciate your thoughts. Sun from first light until late afternoon. Thank you. Oh, you could definitely do native coral honeysuckle if you want a gorgeous bloomer uh, that is also a fantastic um, hummingbird plant. It doesn't have a scent, so that might, you know, defeat your purpose, but it that means it will not attract bees. It attracts hummingbirds. So I would definitely check out coral honeysuckle. It is evergreen. Um, and you're kind of jasmine. If it was star jasmine, it would it would pretty much stay evergreen, although it was severely knocked back uh, in the big freeze a couple of years ago. So uh, I've got friends who's barely, barely came back. Um, and they had it covering a whole fence, and it's just barely there anymore. So it was severely injured by that really bad freeze. But, yeah, I think I would go with coral honeysuckle. Um, you could also do a really hardy climbing antique rose. There's some gorgeous ones, and those are also evergreen. Uh, so I would check those out. You know, you can go to the um, antique rose uh, well, actually, there's several in Grow Green, but uh, the climbers, a lot of the uh, antique roses have a climbing sport, they call it. Um, and there's some just excellent climbing roses that you could put on there. That would be so pretty. You don't have to do just one thing, you know. All right, 512-836-0590. That's the call or text number. Um, I also want to remind you that if you have a landscape project that you want to get done any time in the next few months, um, check out KevinWoodLandscapes.com. That's the website. Um, and get in there early if you can because they back up uh, pretty quick, just like all good landscape companies. You can't just call up a landscape company in this town in March and say, oh, I've got a, a party in two weeks. I need my yard redone. It just won't happen. Um, so if you want a good, just wonderful landscape in all kind of construction to everything from, you know, emphasis on native Texas plants, everything from irrigation to lighting to water features to you name it, anything that you need built, they can build for you. So definitely check them out. Okay, let's see here. Uh, another tomato, let's see here. Tomatoes do need a pollinator. In my 50 years of gardening, if there is no wind and no bees, etc., the tomatoes will not produce. The old folks always said that if your tomatoes are not producing, take a stick to them and whip them into shape. The shaking is what shakes loose the pollen to pollinate. Um, if there are good winds, then your tomatoes will self-pollinate. That's why I also mentioned the bumblebees will get on the flowers and vibrate the flowers in order to get the pollen to fall out, which pollinate the tomatoes. Excellent. Yep. I'm learning a lot today that I didn't know. Okay, let's see here. I don't have, I'm going to look at this text for next uh, segment because we're fixing to do the news. Um, and I will give you some ideas. All right, we're getting ready to go to the news. We'll be back after this. Welcome to the Austin Gardener with Cheryl McLaughlin on News Radio KLBJ, 590 AM and 99.7 FM. 
All right, we are back. And I've got s- some uh, text here, but if you want to join the show, you can call 512-836-0590. We had a caller that wanted to talk about getting rid of Vetch, and um, he couldn't hold, I guess, but um, the, the Vetch is very useful if you plant annual Vetch. Um, and the only thing you have to do with annual veg to discourage it is you kill it just by cutting it close to the ground and then you lay it in place on the beds where you had it planted. Um, so it's it's important to cut all the veg and cover the stubble. And then, and this is for like, say, tomato planting, then you just plant the tomatoes right down the um, bed. You just, plant, you know, put the mulch, part it a little bit, put your plants in and then set the mulch back around them. So that is a very good way to get nitrogen in your soil. Um, and any pretty much any vegetable can benefit from this. So as far as getting rid of other kinds of vetches or any plant really that you don't want, um, you know, keeping it cut back, don't let it go to seed, use corn gluten to discourage seeds from germinating um, where it is, where you have it and you don't want it would be the best ways to get rid of it. Um, okay, here's a text. I need several low-growing three- to four-foot shrubs for my front bed that faces south-southeast in Colleen. The only shade is in the afternoons in the summer. Ideas? Yeah, I got several ideas. Um, first one is I'd plant salvia gregii. Uh, because it's got, you know, it's a little short evergreen. It comes in like at least eight different colors. You can mix up the colors or you could do a, a you know, a whole uh, planting of something uh, of the same color if you wanted to. I mean, there's everything from deep red to, I love the coral one, um, but there's every pink, white, you name it. All the colors are there. So that'd be Selvia gregii. Uh, if you just want a, a bulletproof, solid green hedge, then you could always go with dwarf yopon. Um, another pretty blooming sage, though, is Jerusalem sage. It gets yellow flowers, and it's evergreen. Bush rosemary would work. And also, don't forget about the antique roses. There's a ton of them that don't get very tall and that still have their fragrance and are evergreen. Um, several of them are in the Grow Green book, so you could look on the website growgreen.org, and uh, it, and you you can look up some of these just darling roses. And these are the ones that don't need all the you know little uh, pruning and spraying and all that kind of stuff that uh, I certainly don't have the patience to do. Uh, let's see, here's another one. Let me get down here. Uh, Good morning, Cheryl. Two-part question. This past summer just destroyed our yard. We were sick of looking at dirt, so we did some winter rye that is doing amazing. Problem is, I'm spoiled now with this lush yard that I know is short on time. We plan on revamping the yard here pretty soon. My husband has equipment to where we can uh, till up the dirt before laying down seeds. Question is... When should we start that process, and what is the best native grass seed you recommend for my area? 
we are willing also to haul in some good soil. Um, we have gorgeous, uh, we have geo growers right down the road. I would say our yard is 75% sun the most of the day. We've got quite a few trees that offer some shade, but that wasn't enough from this past brutal summer. For heaven's sake, do not till. That is the worst idea possible. Um, if you do till, what are you? What you're doing is you're just churning up latent weed seeds that are close to the surface. They're just laying there waiting um, for to get near the light before they germinate. If you're going to plant seeds, and most you need to do is just scrape uh, the rough up the soil a little bit, and that means just weed eat down your your um, ryegrass when it dies out, and that'll die out probably by April something. And then you just weed eat it down really close, which will also rough up the soil. Then you can plant your seeds. Um, and you got to be sure that you're using, like, you're going to, the only kind of lawn seed that you're going to be able to get is Bermuda. So I'm assuming that's what you're going to put. Um, and Bermuda germinates when the soil temperatures get hot enough to kill out the rye, then they're starting to get hot enough to germinate Bermuda. And that's all you have to do, just rough it up a little bit. Um, it, you can bring in some good soil if you want to, but you don't need it for Bermuda. Okay, let's see here. Here's another one. Jeff said no on store-bought regular potatoes. They must be organic. Okay, that's good. I was wondering that. I knew I knew they'd need to be organic either way, but um, somebody had store-bought potatoes that were sprouting and wanted to, um, you know, to see if she could start those. But, yeah. Uh, here's another one. Can I still spray my peach trees? The buds are swollen but not open yet. I would use both whole cultural oil and copper fungicide. I would not do the copper. It's getting too hot. It's going to be hot this week, but you could do the oil. Um, and here's another text. Uh, I have used store-bought organic potatoes every year. There you go. That's, that's what I would say, too. I would think so. Uh, and, then, and here's another one that says, they will sprout. I have done that. Most people use store-bought potatoes. Let them start rooting from the eyes. Cut a small slice and set it in the ground. Yeah. And I've also heard that you have to, you know, rub it with ashes or in the sulfur and let it harden off. But I'm not sure. I've never grown them myself. Um, I've gotten sweet potato slips to sprout from store-bought potatoes. They were not organic, but I would do organic next time. There you go. You guys are so smart. I love it. Um, is there an effective foliar spray for gardenias that I moved inside for winter? I've done root applications monthly, but leaves look a bit anemic. They're covered with buds, but would like to green her up ASAP. Uh, she belongs to friends who are recovering from a hospital stay, and I'd like for her to look happy when she returns. Yeah, because gardenias, obviously, they like acid soil. 
Um, so when we're watering them with our hard alkaline water, uh, they're going to that's going to affect them over time. Um, they mostly need nitrogen, but they may be a little short on iron. And the only kind of iron that's really effective to use here is chelated iron. So I would go get some seaweed with chelated iron um, and drench them with that. I think that'll help a lot. And then put a little vinegar in your water uh, when you're watering them next time. And it doesn't take a lot, like just, you know, a few tablespoons per gallon of water. And that helps to mitigate the pH um, for the gardenia. So, yeah, so a little chelated iron, seaweed with chelated iron ought to help. And then, um, yeah, watch the watering, right? All right, guys, it's time for that last break. Let's get that on, and we'll be back right after this. Welcome to the Austin Gardener with Cheryl McLaughlin on News Radio KLBJ, 590 AM and 99.7 FM. Okay, we are back. And again, uh, I've got a lot of texts here, so we're going to go through those. But if you want to call, you're welcome to at 512-836-0590. Uh, suggestion here, also a wonderful climbing vine is tangerine cross vine. It stays green year-round and went through all the freezes as well in Georgetown. Yes, absolutely. We were talking about what um, those folks could grow on their trellises and uh, my same friend that lost their star jasmine has the tangerine cross vine, and you are right. It is just fantastic. Um, okay. News. Brad in Burnett County. How do I eradicate elbow bush? Why would you want to eradicate elbow bush? Did you know that it used to be called... Um, what was the name of it? Spring um, something, the beginning of spring, Spring Herald. Because it is one of the most critical plants for insects uh, in the spring. It's one of the first things that blooms. Elbow bush is, uh, I know it's not the most beautiful thing in the world, but you know, it also gets those berries on it, those purple berries that are good for birds. I do not want you to eradicate the elbow bush. I want you to appreciate the elbow bush. Um, you know, I mean, it's not rare or anything, but it's a very important, and the way that it grows in a thicket form is a really good habitat as well, Brad. So, you know, I mean, if you want to cut it down, you can cut it down, but I think that uh, if you knew how many things depended on it in the early spring... Um, you would probably leave it there. Okay, let's see here. Cheryl, only organic potatoes can be used uh, for seed potatoes. Okay, I agree. Uh, let's see here. Do you recognize the problem? Okay, I'm looking at a leaf uh, photo that somebody sent in. My book says nitrogen deficiency, maybe too much water. Most concern is the brown spots that are developing within the leaf. Um, species unknown. Yeah, that could be water damage right there. Uh, I don't know how you're watering it, but this looks like a very limp house plant. And it looks to me like 
wherever it is, it's not happy. It may need to be moved to where it gets either more sun or less sun, but be sure that you're watering on a wet to dry cycle. And I would definitely add some liquid seaweed. You can spray it with that. You can use fish emulsion. You could use um, a time-release organic nitrogen fertilizer. Just throw a handful in there. You can't hurt anything with it. Uh, and see if that doesn't perk it up. Uh, Cheryl, tomatoes are self-pollinating, but introducing pollinators into your environment has always been official. It's like going to a buffet without any napkins. Anything on your fingers or face can be enjoyed after. <laughs> Y'all are crazy. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Cheryl, what about oak leaf hydrangeas for the Colleen text? Afternoon shade is a help. Jeffrey in southwest Austin. Yeah, but they, they don't stay evergreen, though, do they, Jeff? Not that she necessarily asked for evergreen. I put that in my head. Oh, gosh, you can't. You've got to try oak leaf hydrangeas, folks. They are just wonderful. And Jeffrey's are gorgeous. He sends me pictures of them a lot. But yeah, so for the Colleen listener, definitely consider oak leaf hydrangea. They're so pretty, and they get such pretty fall color. And you know, here's another thought. Everything doesn't have to be evergreen, right? You, there's so many wonderful perennials. You could do an evergreen backbone so that it's not bleak in the winter. But then in between your evergreens, you could put wonderful perennials like black and blue sage that would be gorgeous or you could do um, any there's a million of them a million different uh great perennials with your light conditions um have fun with it uh good morning any suggestion oh boy that's a big fence line for plants along the fence there are three giant liriopes that i divided and next to that is a group of cannas. The fence faces north, northwest, and not much full sun. Well, you know I'm going to go straight to Loropetalum. Um, L-O-R-O, petal, U-M. Loropetalum. Uh, they are such a beautiful plant. Um, and, I've, and there are also some other things like Sandanqua viburnum that would work there that don't need full sun. Um, you might want to check with the Grow Green book to get other ideas um, if you're not getting a lot of sun. Now, if you've got cannas blooming there, you're probably getting plenty of sun for most things, right? Um, and even some of the antique roses that I talked about that don't need full sun all day, every day would work, right? But you got a lot of fence line there. I would just enjoy that. Oh, gosh. Makes me miss my designing days, because I'd go crazy with that fence line, I'll be honest with you. Um, and, you know, you do some taller things, too, like do some flame leaf sumac or something. Uh, let's see. Here. Uh, coffee grounds to perk gardenias up. LOL. Have a great day. Oh, yeah, I should have thought of that. Coffee grounds will help that gardenia also. Um, here's another text. I live in an apartment that has a small patio that gets absolutely no sun. Is there anything I can plant there that will bloom? 
Um, let me think. Um, Heartleaf Skullcap, that'll bloom in the shade. Ferns, they don't really bloom, uh, but there's a firecracker fern that'll bloom, uh, maybe not prolifically in the uh, deep shade. Um, white mist flower will bloom in the shade. Um, and then there are some uh, some pretty plants that like the shade, like uh, some of the petunias and stuff. Begonias will bloom in the shade. Impatience will bloom in the shade. That's probably the most colorful one. Get you some impatience if you want a little cheap thrill because uh, there's nothing prettier than them. We have Bermuda grass, and some spots need to fill in to level it out due to cracks in the soil from the heat last summer. When is a good time to do that, and what kind of dirt? Do we use compost? Uh, no, compost isn't going to do it. Um, the cracks, there's no point trying to fill those cracks. Uh, as soon as it rains again, with enough rain, those cracks will, it will swell and fill in. Um, so... But if you want to level it out, I would just get a really good landscape soil because um, you're not going to need a ton of it. You can buy those from the people that make soil. Okay, let's go to the phone lines for a quick last call. Hey, Mike, what's going on? Hi. Hi. Um, I would like your suggestions on uh, peach trees. And I live in northeast Austin with the uh, expansive clay. I'm getting kind of old, so I'm looking for something that produces relatively quickly and deals with, you know, the current climate. What would you recommend? I'd go straight for Techstar. T-E-X star. Okay. Okay. That That's just kind of a bulletproof one um, that I think of right off the top of my head. Okay. See if and, you can find that. Uh, you're probably going to have to go to a local place. I don't know if you're going to find it at a big hardware store, but you can... You can try. Okay, yeah, that local is fine with me. Should I do any preparation for the soil? Uh, you know, it'd be nice if it wasn't solid clay. It'd be nice if it if it drained pretty good. Okay, drains. Okay. Yeah, good drainage is always good for most plants. And if you have to raise it up a little bit, you know what I mean. Um, do a little bit oh, of yeah raising it up to get it get a good start on it. Do you know how long it would take to produce? How many years? They can they can take several years to produce. Um, sometimes growers will have peach trees that they've grown up themselves in containers, bigger ones. You might uh -huh. want to call around and see if anybody has done that um, and save yourself a few years. Excellent. Yeah, try that out. All right, Thank I got to let very, very much. you are quite okay. welcome. Thanks for calling. All right, guys, we don't have too much time left. Um, I, I'll answer the rest of these. Oh, good. Somebody agreed with me. Impatience bloom in the shade. Can I spray with liquid f fish and seaweed? It doesn't say on the bottle. It just says to drip line. Yes, you can. You can definitely foliar feed with seaweed right now and um, start doing that with things that are prone to, you know, leaf issues. Like as soon as... Uh, Crepe myrtles come out, we start spraying them. Um, so, yeah, you can spray that. The only thing is, don't spray in the full sun. 
right? So if you're going to spray something on the leaves, you don't want to do that when the sun's, you know, blasting down on the leaves. 